Chapter 20, The New Solar Order The last chapter ended with the ominous reference to the lake of fire. We're told those who choose not to embrace Yahweh and his Torah and our spirit mother, Hokmah, after close to a thousand years of having the uncoerced opportunity, will be burned and cease to exist. We are told they will be ashes under the feet of the righteous. We see that in Malachi 4.3. Not burning in some hell fire for eternity. Unfortunately, due to the Christian concept of an ever-burning hell fire, which they say comes is Revelation 19.3, which unfortunately is rendered to say the smoke of that fire rises forever because the fire never goes out. But that's such nonsense, considering 2 Peter 3.10 tells us the earth and heavens will be burned up, that is, dissolved with fervent heat. Peter goes on in verse 13 to look forward to the new heavens and new earth. Considering the earth is renewed and becomes the eternal home of humanity, how can that lake of fire on the earth be ever burning? No, what Revelation 19 is telling us, this fire, also mentioned by Peter, is the finality, or that is the end of, not only of the demons and the rebellious watchers, but those humans who choose to follow or embrace them and their way of living. <clears throat> Again, after the earth is des destroyed by that all-consuming or dissolving fire mentioned in 2 Peter, it's restored, but apparently not alone. Remember 2 Peter and Revelation 21 both speak of new heaven and new earth, and how the first one had passed away or burned up. The new earth is a no-brainer, but what is the reference to a new heaven? After all, what would be the point of burning up all the burning stars in the universe and recreating them? That seems completely pointless. That said, can we honestly conclude heavens is anything other than our solar system? Besides, according to NASA and their probes, great evidence has been found, and kept from us by the way, that many planets and moons of our solar system were once inhabited. And no, I'm not talking about aliens in the common sense. Actually, I'm thinking the ones living on Mars and many moons, including ours, or were or are the Watchers, our literal guardian angels. Remember, we saw evidence of that in Ezekiel 28, where the king, i.e. the angelic ruler of Tyre, or Mars, was corrupted by its trading, that is, its trading empire, and consequently thrown to earth. Apparently, that event was the war in heaven, or the solar system, where the dragon conscripted a third of the angels to rise up against Yahweh and his faithful angels in Revelation 12. Again, the ensuing battle literally destroyed not only the earth, but all the other planets and moons in our solar system. Remember, Genesis 1-2 and Jeremiah 4 confirm that story of how Yahweh's perfectly created earth was destroyed along with the dragon's trading empire. Yahweh rebuilt the earth but did nothing to restore the rest of the solar system at that time. After Yahweh restores our solar system and earth, he brings down his new city, temple actually, which is of shocking proportions. In fact, it's extremely difficult to wrap our finite minds around the extreme size of this structure. If we can believe the dimensions, we are told it is 12,000 furlongs square as well as high. Considering a furlong is one-eighth of a mile, it makes this new temple or house of Yahweh some 1,500 miles square as well as high. We can't imagine a structure that big and or tall, literally extending into space. But considering expert horticulturists have proven many of what are only viewed as gigantic rocks, mountains even, such as Devil's Tower in Wyoming, and even larger ones in Yosemite, are actually giant tree stumps of ancient trees, apparently as tall as 60 miles. 
With that in mind, Yahweh's huge abode will fit right in with those 60-mile-high trees, won't it? Considering those giant fossilized tree stumps scattered all over the earth, it makes one wonder what happened to them. Who cut them down? Since those tree stumps are the size of mountains, it's fairly certain it wasn't humans, at least not normal size, that harvested them. What I postulate next is pure speculation, but it does have logical biblical merit, as well as being fun, and that is to consider. That said, we have a very curious decree given in the building of Solomon's temple, which was to not allow hammers or chisels or tools to be heard on the temple site. Because of that strange decree, all the materials were fabricated off-site in Phoenicia and Lebanon, Egypt, and, and only assembled in Jerusalem. It was a strange command, but it's interesting how it parallels the fact the monstrous new temple for Yahweh and his priests is not built on site either, but comes down from heaven. With that in mind, does Yahweh just magically, magically create the materials, or were they harvested from places like earth before the great flood? Again, that idea is pure speculation, but we do have proof in the giant tree stumps and the knowledge the hundred and... 1,500-mile-square temple is fabricated off earth. Was that why all the materials for the temple were prefabbed from other countries and only assembled in Jerusalem? Because that's how the final and permanent one is done? Were all those giant trees harvested and taken someplace before the great flood to be used in the construction of the new temple, Jerusalem? The recreated world will be the final restoration of Yahweh's Garden of Eden that is worldwide, with no death, suffering, or disease. But unless, unlike the millennial Eden, we're told there will no longer be any night. Obviously, on a round planet, the only way to have no night is if there is a second sun. In fact, we have that idea supported by a movie called 2010 Space Odyssey. The Space Odyssey movie was a futuristic trip to Jupiter, where once there they were told they had to leave because something wonderful was going to happen. To make a long story short, it was the ignition of Jupiter into a small sun. With that amazing thought in mind, just who mused that writer to write such a screenplay, i.e. movie? Is that what Yahweh actually has planned? In fact, if Jupiter ignites into a small sun, not only will Earth no longer have night, but it will make many of its moons and moons of Saturn inhabitable, not to mention Mars. That's extremely interesting, considered Yeshua told his Hebrew disciples the meek, that is, of Israel, would inherit the earth. He was not speaking to Gentiles there, only Israelites. We also have the idea reinforced by closely looking at the New Jerusalem, that is, Yahweh's house, in Revelation 21. There are twelve gates or entrances which are made of giant pearls, each with the name of one of the twelve tribes of Israel. But there is no gate for the Gentiles. Why is that? Could it be there are only 12 gates or doors to the New Jerusalem, one for each tribe, because only Israelites are allowed? But what about the Gentiles? What happens to them? Do they just evaporate and disappear or all die? Or maybe they all just became spiritual Israelites. Personally, I don't believe that for a moment. If Yahweh wanted only one race, why did he create three, which have since evolved into many? No, I believe Yahweh wants and loves the variety. With that in mind, here's another fantastic speculation. Since there are no gates for the Gentiles in the New Jerusalem on the New Earth, are they given other planets as their eternal inheritance? Is the new Mars or the new moons of Jupiter and or Saturn the new eternal homes of the Gentiles? 
We don't know absolutely for sure, but what a fantastic concept. Again, it only stands to reason the rest of the solar system, its planets and moons, were originally created perfect, as was the Earth, and will also be restored in the end. That said, imagine living on the new Earth and going on vacation to Ganymede or Europa or Mars to sample the culture and food. Wow, what a thought. I'm personally convinced when the solar system is restored, a solar system-wide trading empire will once again be established. Only this time for good, that is sharing, and not greed and or selfishness. John Lennon produced his most famous song called Imagine, which was a propaganda piece for the new One World Communist Order. I have no doubt he was inspired by the Watchers and or Demons to promote that evil demonic counterfeit version of the coming new solar system order. Our coming new solar order will be the opposite of the communist rantings of socialist slave mongers such as Engels and Marx. They're all about power and control for the ruling elite and slavery for the common man. A pure, evil counterfeit of the real wonderful thing Yahweh has planned for all humanity.